0: Well, wow. it's powerful. And I'm convinced that that song probably encapsulates the essence of the ministry of Jesus, the purpose for which he came. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, thank you for... the remembrance that you are the one who must revive us. That we might spend our lives rather than clinging to them. That we might learn by your Spirit to give rather than always needing to receive. Lord, would you do a transformational work in my heart, in each one of our hearts, so that we might grasp not only the truths of your Word in our intellect, but that we might begin to walk in the power of them by virtue of your Spirit living in us. So my prayer today, O oh God, is that you would revive each one of us, that you would breathe on us, in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to uh, John's Gospel. I'm going to be looking again at the 14th, the 15th, and the 16th uh, chapters, and um, that seems like a very weighty how will anyone get at that? Well, I'm really not sure. I have some ideas, uh, but um, what I do know is that when you read these uh, chapters of John chapter 14 and then 15 and then 16, they precede chapter 17. Duh! Well, if you know anything about the chronology of Scripture, chapter 17 is where Jesus goes into a garden and begins to pray just before His crucifixion. And chapter 14, Jesus begins to unpack for His disciples what could probably as a whole, 14, 15, and 16, be called His last discourses with them. What would you say? to someone if you knew you were facing a garden and ultimately a cross and the giving of your life, what's really important to you? It's a rhetorical question for each of us to be sure. Jesus begins to describe his imminent departure and subsequently the sorrow that had overtaken his disciples. I mean, after all, (laughs) this guy walked with them for three years. Uh, They were enamored with this man who was doing extraordinary uh, works. And they began to, little by little, understand uh, who he was, but only incrementally, much like many of us. We understand what Jesus is doing only incrementally, if we're honest with ourselves. So in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, "'Let not your heart be troubled.'" It's sort of how he begins this, because he, Jesus, understood that they were troubled. And um, as Jesus began to describe his imminent departure, this sorrow had gripped their hearts, and uh, Jesus began to talk to them, wouldn't you want, wouldn't you love to have been there, you know like as they say, a fly on the wall, a mouse on the hill what, just and listening to this this interaction that Jesus had just before he would go to this cross and die for the sin of the world, be buried dead, raised from the dead? Jesus understood the overarching implications, but uh he begins to tell them and talk about that. Uh, His life would, though they would have trouble and fear, uh, that there was coming a time of joy in their lives that would be joy unspeakable. And uh, this, this joy that could not be fully grasped to them then would be the result of the greatest gift that Jesus would ever give. Now, Jesus gave his life. That was a great gift and a sacrifice for our sin on a cross so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our own sin. But, beloved, if we stay just there, we will miss the implications of the larger narrative and story that Jesus was impacting. And that is unfolding and was then impacting the lives of His disciples. This morning I want to explore with you um, the personality and the character and the presence of this one that Jesus was beginning to talk to them about. Of course, you know as you've read your Bible, He's talking to them about the person of the Holy Spirit. The church doesn't give much press to the person of the Holy Spirit Uh, at large in America. We give an intellectual nod to his presence, but in terms of how he would actually do his work and accomplish that work in us, uh, we are still very much incremental. There is more to be released and revealed to us. Uh, So I just want to look at some scriptures this morning and conclude by giving us an opportunity to respond again to the question of who is this helper in your life? Really. Uh, So, um, in John chapter 14, let's begin looking at verse 16 and 17. Uh, Jesus said, I'll start in verse 15, if you abide in me, keep my commandments and I will pray, that is, I'll ask uh, the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, some translations use the word comforter. Uh, It's actually a Greek word, uh, paraklesis, or paraklete, and that means one who's called to one side. But I don't think it's just, as you read You you see, we can never develop a theology by one text. We must understand the whole of Scripture in order to get our theology right. And this paraclete, this one who is called alongside of us more accurately, is one who is called along with you on the inside. And and that's important. It's an important distinction because Many people believe the Holy Spirit simply comes alongside, in other words, He just follows me around so that I do what I want to do. And that leads to error. And the error is that the Christian life, the calling to be Christian, Christ-in, is that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, comes to live His life in us, which is a game-changer. And many of us understand that, particularly in this church, but there are many churches for whom that is just information. And I suspect there are many of us, because we're incremental learners like me, that we're just beginning to have the revelation of this life of God revealed to us in, in reality. So in John chapter 14, uh, beginning at verse uh, 16, he said, I'll pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that this helper, this paraclete, this, this another helper suggested that Jesus had been their help all through their lives. That's why they were sorrowful when Jesus said, hey guys, I'm coming to my end and I'm gonna leave you here, but that's not the end of the story because I'm gonna send you, everybody say the word, another. another. Another helper. Now the purpose of this another person is that he would, if you read verse 16, he would abide with you forever. Not only would he abide with you forever, verse 17 says he's the spirit of truth and the world can't receive him. That doesn't mean the world isn't influenced by him because they are, but they can't receive him because uh, they don't see him and nor do they know him, but he dwells with you and will be in you. He'll be in you. That's the promise that Jesus made of the coming of this helper that most people in life don't understand at all. And to the extent that we don't understand this gift of the one who will be our helper we end up trying to help ourselves. And most people in the church at large live their life with a measure of knowing about these truths, but rarely do we come into, because learning is often incremental by revelation of the Spirit, Rarely do we come to an understanding of what it really means uh, to live a life uh, fully surrendered to this person of the Holy Spirit who is to help us. Uh, So Jesus uh, said to them, then I'll give you another helper, one who will come alongside of you and literally live inside of you to help you along life's way. Uh, he will abide with you forever. Can you say forever? Isn't that amazing? He, the helper, will come and live alongside of you, but not the outside, the inside, and He'll never leave you. And He will abide with you forever. That, does, that means not only when you are arnery That's a dressed-up word to mean sinful and stubborn. He won't leave you, because He, Jesus, has already paid for your sin, and now He, Jesus, who died and was raised from the dead and ascended to the Father, poured out His Spirit, and that Spirit now, who is the Helper, and He's going to abide with you forever, even when you're ornery. <laughs> Can anybody say amen to that? I mean, that's who we are as people when Jesus By this Spirit, this Helper will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He will abide with us forever. He's the Spirit of truth, and you know him, he said to his disciples, because he is with you, but he will soon be in you. Big deep breath. (sighs) Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that was ever given following only the gift of Jesus that made his coming possible. In fact, the mystery is wrapped up in there that Jesus said, I and the Father are one, and I am in him, and you are in me, and we will come to you. Holy Spirit, living his life by the person of the helper in the likes of me. Somebody say, whoa, that's amazing. That's amazing that the Holy Spirit would live in the likes of you. It's amazing that the Holy Spirit would live in the likes of any of us because we are not deserving and many of us spend our lives trying to become deserving when Jesus has already made you deserving by paying the price for your penalty for your sin on the cross. That makes us free. Free men and women in Jesus. Okay, let's move along because I got a lot of stuff to look at here. Uh, so, Jesus began to unfold to them the coming of the Spirit. Uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's going to get really cool, girls and boys. This is really going to get neat. And I know I'm going to leave and you're going to be sorrowful, but joy's coming, and this joy will be absolutely amazing. Uh, we will come, verse 23. Let me just look at that real quickly. I'm in 14, now 23. I'm just going to hop through a bunch of scriptures. In 14, 15, and 16, 4:23 23 uh, says that Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and the Father will love him, that is the one who keeps his commandments, and we will come and make our home with him. We. Who's We. We as Father, we as Son, and we as Holy Spirit. Don't ask me to explain that because that's way above my pay grade. It's a mystery. But we will come by virtue of this one, this person that Jesus calls the helper, the comforter. The comforter isn't just to make you comfortable. No, he's a helper to help you out of living life in your own strength and living the life according to his kingdom. So if you turn now to verse 26 of John chapter 14, let me look at another text with you. Uh, Verse 26, uh, 25. These things have I spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father... Now we see that the Father is sending the Spirit here in this text. Don't get all wigged out. There's other ones saying Jesus will send the Spirit. And in fact, according to orthodox Christian belief, the Spirit is given from the Father and the Son to live in our life. And all three of us will live. But the Helper, verse 26, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The result of this is that peace is what I now leave with you." You see, the helper, the one who is called alongside, along to live inside of us, is the one who will teach us all things. The real question for us is do we want to be taught, honestly? Meaning, do we want the helper's help, or do we presume upon not being all that interested in being taught, and therefore we? either grieve the Spirit or quench His activity in our life because we think we know better. Everybody go, ooh, that's not a good thing. Ooh. Because, well, I won't tell you the joke somebody just told me. Never mind. (laughs) Not appropriate for this setting. There are very few times when a man or a woman really know what they're doing. Honestly. Very few, but he will teach you all things and bring to your memory all that I, Jesus, have said to you. The result will be, that's my editorial comment, peace I leave with you because Jesus, as you remember, is the prince of peace. How are you doing with living in peace? real peace. I asked myself that question um, recently many different times. How am I living really? Somebody asked me this morning, how are you doing really? Because you have a new senior pastor that you have just called and that means he must increase and I must decrease and see that's okay. So the question to me was how are you doing really? So I have to ask my question, how am I doing really? Am I really living in the peace because Jesus is living fully in my life and he is in control, or do I need to be in control? So the question is, how are you doing with peace this morning, Steve? And how are you doing with peace this morning, really? Jesus said in verse 27, "'Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.'" Why? Life can be scary. Anybody, anybody realize that yet? We pray for some people this morning, and there's dozens more that we rightly could have prayed for with serious disease. Cynthia and I were on a power walk yesterday morning, um, living up in the middle of the state of North Carolina. We had a vacation scheduled to go to Florida It got canceled. (laughs) So some friends were very gracious, and we went to their place on a little lake up in Mid-State, North Carolina, and we were power walking yesterday morning. You knew power walking. That's where you really know you're you're, you're doing something to raise your heart, not just stroll hand in hand. Uh, So we were power walking, and um, we were on this sidewalk, and some of the, in this real nice neighborhood, um, by this beautiful lake. And some of the sidewalk had some squares that were lower than others. You can already see the problem. Well, Cynthia caught a foot on one of those raised areas, and I, she immediately leapt forward from me about a, a full step, and then took another step on the way down, and she did a face plan. And um, that's why she's not here this morning, because the left side of her face, certainly her eye is completely black. So we drove home yesterday and she had a little ice pack on her bag and (laughs) I took a selfie of hers, unawares to hers. (laughs) I will not post it. (laughs) But how many you know life is hard? You know, not just, you know, faceplant in the concrete, she hit her eye, the eye orbit right there, and so it turned black, and you know, that would be a difficulty for her for some period of time, as well as some road rash on her hands. But in the context of, of what people presently suffer, that's a small thing, isn't it? Could have been much worse, for which I'm very thankful that it wasn't. But Jesus said, I, I will give you peace, even in the midst of a very difficult times. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, neither let them be afraid flip over to John 15 where Jesus continues to talk about the gift of why he can live in peace even in the midst of troubled lives and difficulties in our circumstances relationships and whatnot. John chapter 15 verses uh, let's just look at 4 and 5 there's so much to share I don't have time Uh, Jesus said abide in me verse 4 and I will, um, and I in you. See, if you abide in me, if you stay consciously uh, in this realm of being in me, which he puts you in him, you understand that? You don't, you don't get there by joining the church. You get there by coming and surrendering your heart and life to Jesus. If you abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless you abide in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. See, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. He it is who bears much fruit, uh, for without me you can do nothing. You see, this, this notion of our abiding in Jesus and Him abiding in us is what produces fruit. So like the first question that I've asked myself, and I will ask rhetorically of you, uh, how are you doing in living in peace? Um, How are you uh, living in terms of bearing fruit? Because this text says, apart from Him, you can do nothing. Now we can power walk. And we can do lots of things, but in terms of actually accomplishing anything of lasting value for the kingdom, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So how are you doing uh, in terms of bearing fruit that will abide? These are rhetorical questions. They're not made to make any of us squeamish, though they make me squeamish. (laughs) but I'm just thankful I understand something that it's about Jesus who does it in me and through me and not me, myself. And so it is for each one of us. So abide in me and I abide in you. Fruit only comes by abiding in him and apart from him you can do nothing. Now we're making our way toward uh, John chapter 16 which is really the text that I want to focus on or actually end with here. And Jesus continues now to talk to them about the promise of the helper. Now remember, the helper is the paraclete, the one who is called not just alongside but inside each one of us. That's important distinction because many live the Christian life as if it is all up to them to understand everything and accomplish everything and somehow I'm doing it for God who is somewhere else. We've just read, God is not somewhere else. Well, let me clarify. He is somewhere else, and at the very same time, he is living his life in each one of us by the helper, the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus says, now let's look at verse 7 of John 16. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, he just told him again, look at verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me and none of you asked me where you're going, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. See, that's the theme of 14, 15, and 16. I'm going away, and you're sorrowful, Jesus. I'm going away, and you're sorrowful, but don't be sorrowful because I'm going to do something extraordinary by giving you another comforter, another helper. Nevertheless, verse 7, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. How about that word, advantage? Can you say advantage? It is to your advantage that I, Jesus, go away. Now, it doesn't make sense to most of us. But the fact of the matter is, he said that if I do not go away, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I don't go away and do what I have to do on a cross and give my life, as a sinless sacrifice, you will remain in your sin and be separated from God forever. That's what he's saying by implication, by, by clear understanding of the word. If I don't go away, you're going to remain in your sin, and you'll be separated from God forever, and you will justly deserve an eternity in a place you don't want to go. But if I go away, I will send the helper to you. I will accomplish on the cross what only I can accomplish. I will pay for your sin. You will be credited with my righteousness. Somebody will pull their hanky out and go, woohoo. <laughs> You are now righteous because of what Jesus did and on the basis of what Jesus has done by clearing the way from your sin, I will send to you another comforter, the helper will come to you and he will live on the inside of you, he'll never leave you, Uh, you will always have him, it's to your advantage that I go away, if I don't go... He won't come, but if I go, I'll send him to you. And verse 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about the world. That's an important distinction. Jesus will send the Spirit, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you see me no more, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So it's your, to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper won't come, but I will send him to you. Now, in our denomination, just a few more minutes here, in our denomination the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, we have some documents that keep us moving, I would just say, roughly north. That's the purpose of the Westminster Confession and the essentials of our faith, to keep everybody not walking in lockstep, everybody believing the same things, but keep us pointed at roughly north. Well, in the essentials of our faith, it talks about who God is, and they're essential. You know, God is our Father, and it gives his attributes and stuff. And, and Jesus is our Savior, and the, the Son, and what he did, and, and who he is presently, and who the Holy Spirit is. Well, the third verse, or the third paragraph of the essentials related to the Holy Spirit um, says this. The Holy Spirit has come to glorify Christ and apply the saving work of Christ to our hearts. We'd all go, yeah, that's what he does. Uh, But now there's this compression statement, I I call it. It's the the life of Jesus being compressed, and it says this. He convicts us of sin. He draws us to the Savior. He indwells our hearts. Fourthly, He gives us uh, new life to us. He empowers us and imparts gifts for His service. He instructs us and guides us into all truth and seals us for the day of redemption. And that's all good, except... the way the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin is different than what he does to Christians. You see, Jesus has already convicted us of sin and declared that we are acquitted from it by what he did on the cross. And many people believe that Jesus is spending all of his time by the helper, the paraclete, the one who's living in them inside of them, saying, uh-uh-uh, No, 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 don't do that. He's so much more than that. But see, this text in 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 the Essentials says that he convicts us of sin and draws us to the Savior. Who is he convicting of sin and drawing to the Savior? Those who are outside of Jesus, like me, smoking dope on a street corner in Puerto Rico some 30, 40 years ago. You know he he begins to convict you of your sin and draw you to the savior and eventually comes and indwells your life and that's when you become Christian Now, can the Holy Spirit still convict? Of course he can still convict, but that's not his primary role. His primary role is to indwell your hearts, releasing new life to us, empowering and imparting gifts for service, instructing us and guiding us into all truth, sealing us for the day of redemption. Brothers and sisters, all I'm saying to you is Holy Spirit's role and responsibility is so much bigger, it's no longer about your sin. Well, what if I smoke or drink? You know, I'm just being tongue-in-cheek here. It's no longer about that. Jesus paid it all. All to him I now owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. Come on. He washed it white as snow. Stop becoming consumed with this thing of whether you're going to do something wrong. Jesus already settled that score. You did. You will. You will in the future, but guess what? I've paid for it, and in spite of everything that is true about you today and your sin and, in fact, mine, I have already set you free from it. Now get on with living your life by the power and the emphasis of the Spirit who's in you bigger than your sin is. I'm not saying, therefore, go do what you want to do. Jesus won't let you do that. Why? Because he's the paracletos. He's living on the inside of you, and he has something much bigger and much better and much more important for us to do, and that is to understand him. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin. He will convince or convict the world of righteousness because Jesus goes to the Father. That means Jesus has now ascended. Now, the way people... You know how the world gets convicted of their sin? by seeing authentic Christians living by the power of the helper. Think about it. I remember some people in Puerto Rico when I was spending a lot of my time just smoking dope and being stupid back when I was 20. Well, it didn't end my stupidness completely, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It ended my drug use and some other things. But, but, but see, it's, the, the conviction came by virtue of some people coming into my life, and I began to go, hmm, look at me. Hmm, look at them. Hmm, look at me. Hmm, look at them. I think I, hmm, want what they have. That's the gospel. You see, that's the essence of who you carry in you. It is your identity as sonships. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans in the world. I'm gonna come as the helper, the paraclete, to live on the inside of you. So when you begin to take your eyes off of yourself and begin to hear his voice and begin to respond to him, people will begin to say, why are you different? If you live by the power of your own strength and ingenuity and your own resources, Nobody will be impressed for Jesus. So how are you doing with peace? Uh, How are you doing with God really teaching with with the peace of God? Uh, How are you really doing with understanding your sonship and who you are? I'll end with, Jesus said, verse 13 of that same text, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that neat? Some of you don't even get it. Because we're incremental learners, and it's by revelation. And, and, And Jesus you know, said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and uh, He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, the role of the Holy Spirit, the, the Helper, is to glorify Jesus, and He will take what is mine of Jesus and make it known to you, declare it to you. You have an internal speaker within you to hear the voice of the, his voice speaking to you, the voice of the helper, the voice of the spirit. The only question is, will we pay attention to it? Without the Holy Spirit, without the helper, we'll live in fear as people. We'll live as orphans because we won't trust our daddy uh, and we'll never have enough. Never, ever have enough. And we'll spend our time clenching and holding on to. Now, this is just human. It's just human. It's It's what we do. If we don't live by the power and the presence, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the helper in us, you will necessarily live your life by your own power of the flesh. Fearful, fruitless, what Jesus said, really losing your life, because he who tries to hold on to it will end up losing it. And we sang that song, you know, I don't know if I can remember the words, but, you know, spending it all for Jesus, that's what we resist as people, spending it all for Jesus, all of our human resources to give it away for the one who gave it all to me. Jesus said, How big is my love? I've called you into it, into the family, to do as I did, to walk as Jesus walked, to do the works that Jesus did. Well, let's pray. Dean, maybe you would come. What a fantastic reality it is that the God of the universe would give his son so that you and I could be set free. Set free from ourselves primarily. Set free from our sin that captivates our hearts at times and brings us into its captivity. But sets us free to receive the life of another, the life of Jesus the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the one who is called alongside, that is the inside of each one of us, to bring us only into a place of his identity, to live his life fully through us, And beloved, that is the question for each of us today. Jesus said he would send him. Jesus said you would receive him. But beloved, it does take an act of your will. You say, well, I've done this, I don't know, way back in the day. And Holy Spirit has never left me to be sure. He's never forsaken me. He abides with me forever. But sometimes I've discovered I can turn from Him and begin to live life as if only I matter. If that's you this morning, I won't embarrass you. I simply want you to acknowledge it to Jesus in prayer just quietly. Lord, I don't know how I've turned from from you. I've received you into my life. I believe Holy Spirit lives within me, but Lord, I've simply gravitated to living life in my own strength. Thank you that you have made the way for me to come back through the cross you've already forgiven my sin all I need to do is say Lord oh yeah I remember I remember you Jesus I thank you for your grace for your forgiveness Holy Spirit be released within me today afresh say is that all there is no that's just the beginning Next, chapter 2, when the Spirit came, verse 33, Peter said, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this which you now see and hear. Father, would you begin to show each one of us so that we can see and we can hear the real demonstration of the Helper living in us and through us. Maybe you're here today and have never really given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're on the fence. You know a lot about him, but you've never really surrendered and or abandoned the entirety of your life to him. The invitation is for you to do that. Simply open your heart and say, God, here I am. You know how I strive. You know my anxiety. You know my lack of peace. You know my fruitlessness, really. And I'm asking that you would, by your Spirit, now come and live in my heart by faith. Let's stand and let's worship together. And I'm going to ask our elders and their wives and some of our staff team to come and be available to pray here with you should you want special prayer. Don't overlook what God is doing in your heart right now. It will transform your life forever and forever. Come and let us pray with you to authenticate that some of our elders and spouses just come on up here let's worship